like okay. when your when your phone says it's got one percent battery, it's like oh, I've heard that one before. Yeah. You don't really have one percent. The phone that cried wolf, and then it does run out of battery, and you're like, I win. But also. <laughs> Dear patrons, this is Bunga Cast, the global politics podcast at the end of the end of history. It's Wednesday, the 27th of April, which means that just last Sunday was the second round of the French presidential election. And that is what we are dedicating this three articles to. Uh, I'm Alex Hochuli, as usual, in case you're new to us. There is also George Hoare, who is not me. Hello, George. Yes, hello. I'm not Alex. I'm just thinking there's, there's three of us. We, could, we should each pick a color of the, the French flag. Red. Ah, I got there first. I I guess I'll take white. I'll go go blue then. Okay. Well, anyway, so Phil is red, um, who is also not George and also not Alex, um, who you just heard speaking there. Anyway. Let's let's uh, get on with this. Um, you will have heard, listener, our two kind of previews of the election, um, and uh, we hope you enjoyed them. I think they're probably still worth listening to if you haven't heard them, because there's a lot in there, especially as so much of the election seemed reasonably predictable. The polls proved to be more or less right, um, that a lot of the stuff that was discussed in those previews uh, is still worth listening to if you haven't got around to it yet. But let's get on with our analysis now, which kind of will look kind of retrospectively at what's happened and some of the composition of the vote and um, what it really means for France and uh, the recomposition of French politics, if there is such a thing. So first of all, Phil, go ahead. Yeah, so um, the article I've chosen for the discussion is a piece by Christopher Caldwell. Um, who is uh, one of the kind of leading lights, I think, in terms of the conservative, the U.S. conservative commentariat, but also a specialist on France, and someone hopefully will, um, you know, talk about more in due course on the pod. And his piece is published in the online magazine Unheard. Um, it was published on the 25th of April after the election in France, and it's called Why Macron is Invincible. And essentially, it's talking about it casts. Um, Uh, I suppose it gives a kind of historic outlook on Macron's achievement in destroying both left and right, the traditional kind of uh, poles of left and right in France by constituting his new centrist kind of liberalism, or at least dominating the political center and sprawling into its wings. And that this is a, you know, in itself, it's a kind of a remarkable political achievement, at least within the context of France's political system. At the same time, he notes about the fact that this has come at the cost of failing to, um, you know, it's uh, failing to effectively um, capture French, you know, or failing to effectively channel um, the political aspirations of the French nation at large. Um, And he also makes some other points in in passing about the fact, for instance, that it's um, Given her economic program, it's meaningless to think of um, meaningless to kind of think of Marine Le Pen, the um, national rally uh, opponent of Macron, as some kind of um, uh, extreme, you know, belonging to the extreme right anymore. And his main point is that there is no that at the moment the political opposition to Macron is totally fragmented. 
And this is the central contradiction of French politics at the moment. So that's the core kind of thesis. Yeah, I mean, that just to expand on that that core thesis a bit, it's not totally fragmented. It has two two main poles. And I think this is a, you know, a good a good way to look at it, that this political realignment in French politics now seems to be to be quite crystallized that you have the winners of globalization this is what how Gordwell puts it forming that new political movement that's macron's out of the upper echelons of the old bourgeois parties that's in the center of the political system then the former lower echelons of those two the two older parties they're the kind of the natural partners against the elite party but they're they're split for reasons of 20th century grudges and so until something changes there macron is is in a is in that's why he's invincible because you know, it seems like a pretty big bridge to cross to get Le Pen and Mélenchon to who who it was in this in this election to work together. So Macron is in a very um, advantageous position in the middle there with all the, uh, the upper echelons of the old the old bourgeois parties. Yeah, I mean, I think the only problem I would have with that formulation is that is this idea that the di- political differences between Mélenchon and Le Pen can be reduced or dismissed as mere historical grudges from the 20th century, um, as, if le- as if left and right have no meaning whatsoever. Um, as we know, Le Pen's program is pretty similar to Macron, but uh, just more authoritarian and obviously, you know, hits hard on the identity issues, despite the fact that much, much of her voter base is much more plebeian and, and, and indeed working class in many cases. Um, and Mélenchon, okay, he's not kind of the particularly that radical, but, you know, the proposition is, is rather... Uh, a different one um, in terms of, you know, redistributive policies and so on. Um, so I think at a, at a political level, they're not, it's not just historical grudges. As refers to the kind of basis of those parties or movements, then you might say, yes, there is, um, you know, there's a common interest there amongst, you know, kind of working class um, and even maybe lower middle class kind of Basis of those parties, um, they might have a common interest in opposing Macron. That uh, definitely does seem to be the case. But I think it's worth distinguishing whether they might have shared social, you know, socially a shared interest versus politically, you know, their them being mere grudges. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and one of the um, uh, terms that's that's uh, drawn on in in the piece, and I'm going to try and pronounce it, which is probably going to go very badly, but ar- archipelization. So this idea that basically France is completely divided, that the two, the upper and lower France have like no contact with each other. Hey there, you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons. If you'd like to join us and gain access to around two Patreon exclusive episodes a month, please go to patreon.com slash We'd love to have you.